0: The Syracuse Sports Podcast is presented by the Bill Rapp Superstore. Get over there. See my guys Brian and Bruce and the great crew at the Bill Rapp Superstore and deal with a winning team. If you're looking for slam dunk deals on Subarus, Buicks, GMCs, live market pricing on pre-owned vehicles, you can calculate your payments online. Get on BillRapp.com and check that out. That's probably better to do at this point because winter just will not go away in central New York. So sit with a nice warm beverage on BillRap.com, Calculate your payments, then get over there, see Brian and Bruce and the great crew at the Bill Wrap Superstore. You're going to hear a variety of voices on the Syracuse Sports Podcast this week. First, from Syracuse University football quarterback Rex Culpepper, whose world was rocked when he learned recently that he had testicular cancer. You'll hear Rex describe the role he's taken on now and how he hopes to be an inspiration to others. You'll also hear from Rex's mom, Monica getting the news no parent wants to hear that their child has cancer. We'll also talk to Jason Smorl, the general manager of the Syracuse Chiefs. Not really baseball weather here in central New York quite yet, But the Chiefs are ready to start the season this week, and the home opener is next Thursday, April the 12th. It's a very interesting season for the Chiefs. It's the last year under the Washington Nationals, but the New York Mets now own the Chiefs. How is that going to work? What are some of the exciting promotions coming up at NBT Bank Stadium this year? And as always, we got to talk about the food, right? Can you say ice cream nachos? The Chiefs are getting ready to begin their season, but the Syracuse Crunch are wrapping up the regular season with the playoffs about to start. I checked in with Lucas Favalli, the play-by-play voice of the Syracuse Crunch. All they do is win, win, win. They've had plenty of winning streaks this year. They could set a franchise record for wins in a regular season. And for the first time in the 24-year history of the team, they've posted back-to-back 90-win seasons. How are they doing it? Lucas will tell us that and a potential regional rivalry to come in the upcoming Calder Cup playoffs. First, let's look at the story of Rex Culpepper. Now, the Syracuse quarterback situation has been focused in, of course, on Eric Dungey, who's recovering from injury and taking it easy in spring practice. Young Tommy DeVito looking to unseat Dungey as the starting quarterback. But you'll recall Rex Culpepper played in a few games for the Orange last year. Now, Rex is kind of a famous dad who played in the National Football League, but many of you certainly know him from Survivor. Things were going along normally for Rex here in spring practice until he felt a little ill after returning from a trip from Iceland. He got it checked out and heard the word nobody wants to hear, cancer.
1: I mean, there's there's somewhat of a platform that comes. And, you know, my main thing is I, you know, I want to be as aggressive as I can in, in beating this and be an inspiration to someone who has it a lot worse. And there's just some things that you find out about some people who have certain illnesses or types of cancer, that if they got it a whole lot worse than I do. And so for me to, you know, be feeling down or wanting extra attention, it's just not fair to them. So uh, my, my kind of role in all of this is for someone to be able to see, hey, this kid was a college athlete, got this, and bounced back even stronger. So, I mean, that's, I want to inspire somebody who has it worse than me. That's, that's my true goal.
0: Rex's mom, Monica, tried to describe as best she could. What it's like to hear the news no parent wants to hear.
1: This has been 18 days
0: of just, you know, your worst nightmare as a mother and a father and your son. I mean, you know, it just doesn't happen that way. And, and finding out that your child is ill with cancer, I don't really know that you've done anything and as, a, as an adult to pre- prepare for it. But the thing that Brad and I keep talking about, um, that's my husband, Rex's dad, um, is... The most remarkable thing about Rex is he's never complained once. He's had emergency surgery, been told he has cancer, he's had pick lines put in, pick lines take out, blood drawn, 25 hours of chemo, and hasn't complained once, and it's just remarkable. Rex has a very treatable form of testicular cancer and is getting chemotherapy both here in Syracuse at Upstate and at the Moffitt Cancer Center near Tampa. He's expected to make a full recovery and is looking forward to ringing that victory bell when his treatments are over June 1st. Meanwhile, Rex says he gets by with the support he's received from so many.
1: Well, so many people reached out, and it really did lift me up, and it it's just kind of it made me teary, and I thought about a lot of the people who you know, don't have the support system that I have. They don't have the parents that I have. I mean, my mom, she's up here with me now, cooking me every meal. You know, we got our blood results back, Uh and they were perfect. They were right where they are supposed to be, because, you know, sometimes chemo can affect your blood a lot, and so, you know, mom and I, we kind of just hugged and cried, because, you know, we've been doing a great job, and, you know, this coaching staff has been phenomenal. Being out here at practice lifts me up so much. My mom says uh, when I'm out here, it's like I I got a permagrin on, because I'm just happy. I'm happy to be back on the field, and um, so I just want to give a huge thank you to my parents, a huge thankful, or a huge uh, thank you to everyone who's reached out, and a uh, huge thank, uh, thank you to these coaches, and We'll
0: get this tough time. Rex, we certainly joined so many in wishing you well in recovery. It's great to see you here in Syracuse. It's great to see you back on the field. and can't wait to hear that victory bell on June 1st. On to baseball. had a conversation recently with the always excitable general manager of the Syracuse Chiefs Jason Smorl. It's time to play ball. The Chiefs open up their 2018 season at Grant Wilkesbury this weekend. Their home opener Thursday, April 12th at NBT Bank Stadium. Fingers crossed for nice weather on opening day, but there'll be plenty of games beyond that over the spring and summertime. The Chiefs are ready for another season, and Jason's ready to tell you about it. Let's take a listen. So we are here with Jason Smorl. Baseball is back. Yeah. What are you most excited about? What are you most on board
2: with? Uh, You know, it's just been, it's it's kind of interesting. I thought, you know, that, you know, it's just another season, another season, but I'm just super excited for the season. I'm excited to to have opening day uh i'm excited to put the bunting up uh i'm excited to have the county executive come and throw out the first pitch it just means the start of another season uh and everyone they're like snowflakes they're similar but everyone's a little bit different uh and i remember last year we were just so excited we're like you know what no one's talking about the chiefs we're sleepy you know the the, the international league people but who's gonna be good who's gonna not be good we're going to have an awesome team this year. That Last year we were horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and this year we actually feel like we're going to Hope be – Hope Springs like, Eternal. Hope Springs yes. Eternal. So uh, I'm just excited for the season to start. I'm really excited for the, the promotions we have. I'm excited for because of Randy Nor is fantastic and Dauber back and uh, a lot of the players that are back. Are, you, just, you just know them over the years. I'm just excited to see the guys.
0: Who are some of the players you're most excited to see? I mean, there's a big prospect here, so I'm sure that kind of – jumps to the top of the list but who are are the prospects the fans should be excited to see too
2: well obviously Victor Robles starts the the that discussion and I'm always I was amazed at when they send these big prospects you know and then you're like well is he really going to be that much better and then when when Trey Turner was here you could just see that he was the fastest guy out there you can just see he was going to get the clutch hit and he was just his throws were so great and and, and the day that he wasn't there and the fill-in second baseman didn't get to that diving catch. Uh, and then Trey came back and the same hit. And he got to the – he's like, that's the difference between a stud and a really super awesome baseball player. So I'm excited to see Robles. Uh, uh, I, you know, I think, you know, Stevenson, like the skipper said, I mean, he was in the big leagues a lot last year. He did very well upstairs. Uh, he was our all-star he started off bad last year, but he but he just kept working through and working through. I mean, for April and May, I think he was hitting like one forty two last year, and he ended up to, to end up at two sixty two. Means you hit well over you know three hundred, almost four hundred for a long stretch of the season. So Stevenson, I'm excited to see him, uh, and Austin Voth. I mean, he had a, and I think the fans should be excited to see him. I mean, he's kind of one of those ones that. A couple of years ago, he was going up with a bullet. Last year, he took a step back. So uh, Randy said he had a good spring. If he's back to where he was, I mean, that's that's going to be somebody you're going to want to see. So guys like him and Eric Fetty, you know, that are they're big league pitchers. And Austin Adams is a big league pitcher. Uh, and those are guys you can see here.
0: A lot of changes, of course, in the offseason, Jason, with the, the sale with the New York Mets and everything. That mm-hmm. means this is going to be the first season of minor league baseball. In Syracuse, not community owned, in a in a long long time. Yeah. Are we even going to notice that no, difference?
2: Not at all. Nope. Uh, we're you know uh, the the former community baseball club of Central New York because we're still the, called the community baseball club of Central New York. The former ones did a great job. You know they did exactly what they needed to do. They were charged by the the shareholders to. They always had this idea of protecting shareholder value, but. There was never any value to it because the team was never going to leave. Um, but they also they wanted to keep baseball here, and that model just wasn't working. You know, we just didn't have the capital to to keep it going. I mean, we had righted the ship. We gotten into the into profitability. You know, from the, the years of losing million dollars and losing money, losing money. Um, and they found a suitor in the New York Mets. The New York Mets bought the Chiefs. They're here to a minimum of 2,000. We're here to a minimum of 2,025. Uh, they have said, listen, they've said, this season's all about the Chiefs and the Nationals. We're not going to talk about the Mets uh, at all. Treat them just like you normally would treat the Washington Nationals. Uh, and it's it seems to be a bigger deal outside the stadium. Like you think it would be a weirder deal versus inside because the relationships are still there. The Nationals have been here for 10 years. This is going to be my fifth year with the Nationals. We've got great relationships with Mark Shalaba and Doug Harris and Mike Rizzo upstairs, Uh, all the roving instructors, half the players here. We've known Randy Knorr for years. We've known Dauber for years. We've known Mike, the strength coach, for years. Nothing changes. The buses are still going to be there. The hotels are still going to be taken care of. There's still going to be dirt. There's still going to be bats. There's still going to be balls. The stuff that we're responsible for, we're still going to do. We're still going to take care of their families. We're still going to take care of the players when their girlfriends come to town or their wives come to town or whatever it is, help them with housing. Anything that we normally did, we're just going to continue to do.
0: Now, the interesting thing is, you know, the Mets start next year, mm. and if young Timothy Tebow has a good year at, at AA,
2: yeah. who
0: knows? Who knows? I mean, that could be one of the biggest names to ever come through here. And there's been some big, big names. There's been some big names. I've Tebow's a big here. name. Yeah.
2: You know, and you it's saw huge. him in the newspaper today. and. And he was in front of the green screen there taking his swings, and we're trying to get our guys to go up and do our stuff. I said, boys, Tim Tebow can do it. Well, you can You can not <laughs> <do. laughs> Better hurry up and get up there and give Anthony some time. So that's exciting. you know. So I, I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse and say, next year we're going to have Tebow, or next year something's going to happen. We're all about this season. Next year uh, it'll take care of itself. We'll get done with the season, and uh, and then I'm sure that things will rapidly roll into it's going to be another quick off offseason uh, to get ready for, you know, that's a big deal around here. Still, I mean, the Mets will be coming into town.
0: It's still a unique circumstance, though, because the Mets told you it's all about the Nationals, it's all about what you usually do, but yeah. there's still a thought that it's going to be the Mets. Who knows, the name might be the Syracuse Mets. I mean, there's a whole lot of changes still to come, so and will that planning, be kind of a unique balance for you to, to, to work through that?
2: It will be, because planning for next year starts this year. So once opening day starts, we're kind of in maintenance mode of making sure all the promotions that we've set up and established kind of get done, but we start selling and promoting and planning for the 2019 season during the 2018 season. So a lot of that, the discussions and plannings behind the scenes will be for next year with the Mets while we're still taking care of the Nationals here.
0: You know as well as anybody, Jason, the Salt Potatoes thing was a phenomenon last year. And you guys are going to do that a little bit more this year. A a series with Rochester has Mm -hmm. been set up with this. So there's always Salt Potatoes at the concession stand. We saw what we did with Salt Potatoes last year. What's the next step with the Salt Potatoes brand here?
2: Uh, Well, it's the Salt Potatoes Power Move weekend. So we're going to have, we are going to play. We we had that discussion. We want to be, like they're going to be the Rochester Plates every Thursday. So, or we were going to be the Salt Potatoes every... I like alliteration. So, it was, was it going to be Salt Potatoes Saturdays or Salt Potatoes Sundays? Benefit of hindsight, we probably should have done that. But we decided, you know what? There can be too much of a good thing. So, we're taking that other approach of saying, you know what? Salt Potatoes are coming back four days. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Every day is kind of themed of it. We will play Rochester there as the Salt Potatoes in June. Uh, so it's a dollar Thursday with a salute to Tipperary Hill as part of our season of Syracuse, and we'll wear the salt potatoes and we have a salt potato upside down light light. What are those things called? The traffic light. Traffic light, light yeah. Uh, a snow globe giveaway now with we're a salt talking. potato throwing a rock at the upside down <laughs> traffic great. light. And then nice
0: ode uh, to history there.
2: Friday is uh, is a salt potato jersey giveaway. And Saturday, the, the plates will be in town, and there's a salt potato bobblehead standing on a on a plate uh, for the Golden Fork. Sundays is tater tot Sunday, you know, the kids eat free, so we'll have salt potatoes. But we took that, and we turned it into a season, year, season of Central New York. So early in the season, opening day, we've got that cool uh, snow hat, trapper hat giveaway as an homage to the cold and the snow that we live in. Uh, We're going to have wonderful Wizard of Oz night, and we're going to have Brannock device night, and we're going to have, like I said, the, the traffic light night and shot clock night and the things that are indigenous to our area that people just love to celebrate about Central New York. So we're going to have fun with that. And then plus a bunch of smaller ones, Central, salute to Central New York celebrities, a salute to you know, Little League Baseball and a Buy Local Night. And We have a really fun sticker bomb jersey that we're going to give away on, uh, on, on, on Buy Local Night.
0: So those are some of the fun promotions to come. There's always an intrigue with the food. And you've got a few new food items this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you say the word ice cream nachos. I'm all in. I mean, come on. <laughs> so you on? got that, and you're always kind of adding those quirks. Is that something that, that fans have asked for, like the food options and those things? I mean, you're, you're constantly in the stands and talking to people, and how often does it come back to that, you know, food it's items the, and things, the, that to bring them into the ballpark?
2: It, it really is the fans. I mean, if we could, if we listen to every uh, request we did, I mean, we have more stuff than anybody has. Uh, and we, because we try to cater to, to as many needs as possible. Uh, so we try to find that balance of, of, of something that's going to sell versus just, you know, some fan wants it. So we had the salt potato dog, and one fan immediately emails me and says, Well, if you add peppers and onions to that dog, then it's an Italian specialty. So I sent it to the to the guy it's not hard for us to put peppers and onions on a salt potato dog so we, do we have peppers and onions yes so now we'll have a the homage to the Italian apparently Italians have hot dogs with potatoes and peppers and onions this on the it thing. is it a thing is it a thing I
0: was aware of this yes I was aware of this I'm half Italian so I guess I'm half aware of that All but right
2: so uh, so we'll do that a uh, hot dog nation but the food I think really is one of the things and I alluded to it earlier it's just a little different over here. I don't know what it is. If it's because we're an outdoor arena, is it because of baseball is such a lo- you know a, a slower-paced game? It's not even a longer game. It takes four and a half hours for a, the world's fastest football team to play a, a, a football game. It takes us two hours and 46 minutes to play a baseball game. But there's a freer flow to it. So you want to come to the ballpark, and you want to have something to eat, and you want to have a cold beer or a lemonade. And we just have great options. And this year we've just you know, kept, we just keep coming up with them. And it's basically different variations on what we already have. But we have gluten-free options. We've got vegetarian options. And we've got healthy options. And special orders don't upset us. And, but at the end of the day, we specialize in hot dogs and cold beer.
0: Let me circle back on that though, because you just said it. When people come to, you know, a Syracuse Chiefs game, I don't think they're looking at their watch the whole time, right? Like they're here, they're here to relax, yeah. enjoy, especially if it's a very nice day. Uh, mm-hmm. That being said, baseball is really pushing, as you know, pace of play and putting yeah. those little rules in to speed things up. Uh, Randy Norah was speaking at a press conference the other day about that when you guys opened up, and you've certainly looked at it and discussed it. Do you think baseball is going in the right direction there, just to make those changes the game needs, or what do you think? <sighs>
2: Yeah, no, I don't know. Uh, I, I look at the NFL and how long that takes. I look at a at a NASCAR race and how long that takes. I look at a college football game and how long that takes. I think the NBA is and, and college basketball is kind of a, uh, a, a, a definitive time period. Hockey games, you know, but you could give five overtimes in hockey sometimes. I don't know if they still do that. Our game is two hours and 45 minutes. That means some days it's three hours, some days it's two and a half hours. To me, just play the game. And I think it matters more at the big league level because when you come here and you paid $8 for a ticket, if you want to leave, just take off. (laughs) When you go to the big leagues and you're paying $150 for a ticket or $1,200 for a ticket, you want to stay for that whole game. Uh I like the idea of trying to speed it up I, to me I'd rather them do it with more within the rules they already have just stay in the batter's box do you really have to go from 20 seconds to 15 seconds I, I think it messes with the flow of the game and 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 how that what that pitcher has to do when there's three guys on base he, needs, he might need more than 20 seconds to, to know what he's going com, to communicate non-verbally with his, his catcher. I don't know. Does it really take that much time?
0: I like the mound visit restriction, honestly. I was
2: shocked at what, uh, what Randy said about 63
0: was, yes. visits to the mound. So he says, Randy Knorr said the other day that in Game 7 of the World Series, there were 63 mound visits. That's I mean, that's, that's a really important game, so I guess you kind of let that slide but I think generally over the course of a long season, I like that they're making them say, if you're going to do this, it's important. You're yeah. not just stalling. You're not just pacing the pitcher. Like, No, you're prioritizing when you're going to talk to that pitcher. I think things like that are okay.
2: I, I, I agree with you. I think that there's certain things you can do that will speed the game up. Um, but at the end of the day, if someone scores 10 runs, that's going to take a long time, and there's nothing you can do about that.
0: Well, speaking of which, how about the extra inning rule? Now they're putting a runner right on base. Because here, it's always interesting, and they do the same thing in the American Hockey League. They'll experiment and right. try those rules and see if, if they work.
2: And I think it's interesting what Randy said, too. He didn't think much about it. For me, initially, I think it's a great idea. Because extra innings, at that point, I want the game over. <laughs> you know, but I am a little bit old school, and I'd, I'd rather see it. And you know, and Invariably, the night that, that there's a, a full house... You know, the the game gets done in, in one hour and 52 minutes, and the night that there's nobody here is when we play four hours, exactly. like four and a half hours. Uh, I've done I never, PA
0: for plenty of those games, Jason. I feel your pain.
2: I never thought about, you know, oh, they're not penalizing the pitcher for the guy being on base, but now there's a guy on base, and it affects his other earned runs. I thought that was a very interesting answer, that now he's got to manage the game to not – hurt this you know austin adams that comes in and now he might give up two more runs that he might not have otherwise given up because there's a guy on second base so i, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they manage this stuff uh, tinkering i don't know I, I i guess i'm a little old school and I, i'd rather just leave it but doing some common sense stuff I, i'm on board with that
0: Jason, you guys start this week, but the home opener is next Thursday, April the 12th, here at NBT Bank Stadium, as we uh, speak here in Jason's office. And another season of Syracuse Chiefs baseball is here. Thanks for uh, coming on the Syracuse Sports Podcast to uh, discuss it with us. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, X-Man. Sitting at the ballpark with a nice cold beer in the middle of summer is a pleasant thought as I look out my window and see four more inches of snow. In April, from baseball to hockey, We'll hear from the voice of the Syracuse Crunch, Lucas Favalli, after this word from Bill Rap. Hello out there. We're on the air. It's hockey night tonight. The Bill Rap Superstore, BillRap.com. This is where you want to go. It's where you want to be. For slam dunk deals on new Subarus, Buicks, GMCs, live market pricing on pre-owned vehicles. I don't know what that means, but you know who does? Brian and Bruce and the great crew at the Bill Rap Superstore whether you're looking for new, whether you're looking for value on your trade. Hey, calculate your payments online first at billrap.com. You always get a great deal, and it's always the smart choice at the Bill Rapp Superstore and BillRap.com. So we are here with Lucas Favalli, the voice of the Syracuse Crunch here at the Laurel Memorial. And I've got to start by asking about Matthew Joseph because he is kind of lapping the field right now in terms of points on this team. He just won the AHL Rookie of the Month Award. And he really fits what is a theme of this team. Let me put it this way, Lucas. There's a lot of people that have celebrated their 21st birthday or are going to on this team. So we've got a a young team, but he kind of exemplifies that it's not only a young team, it's a very talented
3: team. Yeah, he has had a terrific season. He got off to a slow start. Um, the first, whatever, 10, 15 games of the year, only about six points. And since then, he's been a terrific player. He's t- ninth in the league in, in all scoring in the league since that point, November 22nd. Uh, he's had a terrific run he, over that time. He's up to you know 46 points in 51 games since November 22nd. And he has really taken off. And it all started with really a trip back home. The crunch went up to uh, Laval, which is right where he's from, and had a conversation as we were walking into the arena with head coach Ben Grew. And whatever he said, I, I, Ben said, have fun out there. And uh, he's had a lot of fun since then, he's been so good, and, and like you said, he kind of exemplifies his team. He's got a bright future ahead of him, he's really been incredible for this, this group.
0: Sometimes the most simple advice is the best advice, right? Just go out there and play and have fun. And So he's at the top of, of the point standings. When you look at the points, there's a real theme here. 15 goals, 37 assists. 15 goals, 27 assists. Pekka, 11 goals, 31 assists there's a lot of sharing going on in this team. Then you get down to Volkov who has more goals than assists but top three point leaders on this team right now there's a lot of passing there's a lot of sharing going on is that just a, a statistical anomaly or is that kind of fit what this team's doing
3: and that's what this team is it's a deep team that can roll three four lines that are all productive and can all score and on any, any given night it's somebody else who can come in and put up a goal or two and we saw Carter Verhage with a couple of goals back-to-back games or he had two out of three games he had two goals uh, you said Alex Volkov is up to 21 goals the first guy to hit the 20 goal mark this year so it's a balanced attack, and, and everyone is contributing, which is obviously bodes well down the stretch when you, know, you, you don't have to rely on just one guy or one line to put up all the points. It's been a balanced effort, and uh, that really is what this team is all about.
0: Speaking of a young team, now it's interesting because I was reading something from our friend Lindsey Kramer not too long ago, and he was saying that it wasn't a first-round pick on this team. Well, that changed recently because Cal Foote, who was the first-round pick from Tampa in last year's draft, is here now. What's the early read on him, how is he looking, and, and can he help this team yeah. in the Calder
1: Cup playoffs?
3: Yeah, he's uh, only had a couple practices, obviously, so haven't had a great look at him, but head coach Ben Grew, the first day he was here, he was very impressed. He thought he was. He looked like he'd been here all year, he said. He's been that good, and he's only 19 years old, and like you said, he's the first-round first draft pick on this team. Picked 14th overall th- this past June, so uh, I think the expectations are there. I don't know when he's going to make his debut, if it's going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We, we haven't heard anything like that yet. Um, But he is going to, I'm sure, get into this lineup and be a pretty productive player. Uh, He's a righty shooting defenseman, which are very valuable, not only here, but in the NHL. He's got an offensive side to his game, which could maybe help this crunch power play, which is probably one of the biggest struggles for this team. I don't know if he's going to get power play time or not, but if he does, he can probably be a big addition to that group as well. So I expect to see Calfoot in the lineup down the stretch and possibly into the playoffs.
0: That's a good point you bring up, and I wanted to ask you about that because this is obviously a very good team, the points and everything that we'll get to and the position they're in going into the postseason here. But what are some of the weaknesses? What are some of the things maybe still with a handful of games left that they'd like to sharpen out a little bit before the postseason
3: comes. Yeah, I think the power play is one of them, which you just touched on, and I think another thing that Ben-Grew has been talking about is just consistency. And, and it's it's hard to think that this team is inconsistent when they just go on so many winning streaks. I mean, they've had winning streaks of 10, 9, 7, and 6, huh. which is incredible. And you add those up, they have more wins than 11 teams in the league. That's incredible. So, uh, but even so, you sometimes see a little dip in, in play and whatnot, and, and head coach ben will sometimes talk about that afterwards that – You know, there's a period here, a period there where they didn't play great. Um, So it's obviously an area that I'm sure they want to improve on. But other than that, I mean, they've been very solid. The goaltending has been incredible. Defensively, they've been so solid. So if they can just put it all together for a full 60 minutes, it's a tough team to beat. You
0: brought up goaltending, and that has been such a unique thing to watch on this team this year because Connor Ingram has been the steady He's the young player, up and coming, but it, the door behind him has been in constant. It's like one of those doors you walk it in, in the carrier dome, you know, the rotation yeah. doors there. But they've seemed to settle in here with Eddie Pasquale and what he has done for this team, and the dynamic between those two is so unique because yeah. you got a young up and coming player and you got a veteran who's been around a little bit, and it seems like those two have not only really gotten along and that has helped on the ice, but certainly the results speak for themselves on the ice as well. Yeah,
3: they've been both incredible, obviously, and it's interesting to see, and I haven't really talked with Ben Grew or Carl Gehring about the plans come playoff time about who might be if they want to split the load or have a number one Uh, come to the playoffs, but they both have been great. Eddie Pasquale joined the team right near the end of of January. I think it was January 31st when they made the trade. And since then, they've almost had identical numbers. So it's not, I mean, Eddie has been so good, but Connor has kind of flown under the radar. Uh, all year. And he's had a great year. He's third most wins in franchise history for a rookie goalie. He's got 19 wins this year. Uh, Since that point for the trade, though, he's the records are almost identical. Goals against both are at about 1.85, which is remarkable. Save percentages, both have a 9.32 save percentage. I mean, their numbers are almost identical, which, you know, you might expect that from Eddie Pasquale, but Connor Ingram just turned 21 and he's had a great year. And I think he's played more than probably at the start of the year the team expected him and, and He has lived up to all the expectations and then way more, so it's been great.
0: You brought up the streaks that this team has. You brought up that Ben Grew wants a little more consistency out of this team, which is, you know, it's almost laughable in a way because that's what they have been really, but coaches are coaches and they have high expectations. Franchise record for the Crunch, two consecutive seasons with 90 points. They're going to set a mark for the most regular season wins for this team. This, The one constant there through all this, Lucas, is Ben Grew. And, and how he coaches this team, the approach that he has. He's hesitant to describe how successful he is, so I leave it to you. Why is this team so successful under Ben Grew the last two seasons?
3: Yeah, he just – well, he runs a great system. Uh, he, he demands – a lot out of his players and especially in practice if you watch a practice these guys afterwards I mean they've been through the ringer it looks like but it gets the results he, he knows what he wants from his team and he knows how to get his message across to his team and he has done an unbelievable job with this this group this year and again you look at the team and how it's been built so many rookies this year you, the expectations you didn't really know what to expect and the way they started it was all right I mean this might be the rebuilding year that we expect it to be started four nine one and two after that they've been the best team in the league. I mean, they've been so good and like you said they're on pace for their best regular season ever. They might hit the wins record. It's, you know, their their wins record is 47 wins. They did that in 80 an 80 game season. They're only play 76 games now and they five wins and they still pass that down the stretch here. Same with points. Points percentage-wise, they're going to finish it looks like with the best record in franchise history, which is remarkable. And it's all Ben Gru, he's done a terrific job and if he's not the leading candidate for Coach of the Year in the AHL, I'd be shocked. He's done such a great job this year.
0: So there's a handful of games left, as we mentioned, and then playoff hockey will be back in Syracuse, which is great. I just love the spring, and if there's playoff hockey in the air, there's, there's, there's just nothing like it. It's such a unique thing, as we saw with the Calder Cup run last year and, and four years ago prior to that. Okay, so all that success is there, and this team is, is really rolling on, and the playoffs are about to happen, which is great. could kick that up a notch, Lucas. There could be a regional series in the postseason. If it's Rochester, would much rather see it be Utica, considering how great that rivalry has been in recent years. But what are the chances now? How are things playing out that Syracuse could face one of those two teams in the
3: Calder Cup playoffs? I mean, at this point, it's almost a guarantee. Uh, It's the Crunch and the Marleys look like they're going to finish one and two. And then one of those two teams is going to finish three or four. The four teams in the North Division are set already. So it's one face is four and two faces three. And, and right now the Crunch are lined up for the second position. And then it's a battle for third and fourth. I mean, the the Marlies have a pretty good lead on the Crunch here in the final six games of the season. So unless there's a dramatic turnaround here in the last six games, looks like the Crunch will fi- probably finish second. But then that the battle between third and fourth between Utica and Rochester is going to probably come down to the final day of the regular season, which is next Sunday. And who knows from there, but it's certainly exciting, and we know those rivalries, especially with Utica, is fierce. And, uh, you know, they play each other 12 times in the regular season, 10 times against Rochester this year. <laughs> it should be fun, whoever it is, uh, come the first round of the playoffs.
0: Not to root for the Comets, but I am rooting for that scenario to happen. I loved this series the Rochester. One of the best playoff series I've ever seen in any sport was 2004, Syracuse and Rochester which ended here at the War Memorial. I can still see Kent McDonnell's shot missing that net, but it was an incredible series. It was as intense as I've ever seen. That's great, and Rochester you know, is turning things around, and as a Sabres fan, that's encouraging that maybe there's there's hope in the future here. But you know as well as anybody, these Syracuse-Utica games, they are playoff games. So how about we play Syracuse-Utica playoff games in the playoffs? I'd like to see this happen.
3: Yeah, it is. uh, (laughs) Just thinking about it, you can feel the intensity just picking up just... Thinking about it, it's incredible. Now, obviously, the first round is best of five. Maybe we want to save it for a potential second-round series best of seven. We'll okay. get a couple of extra games out of it. You talk into that. <laughs> but, uh, we, and, again, the, the rivalry with Rochester is great. Um, it's not as fierce as the one with Utica, though. So either way, it should be a terrific first-round series. But we'll see what happens.
0: Ben Grew certainly has added to the success of this team and in, in in the stable ownership and everything. Maybe you brought a good luck charm here, Lucas, because, boom, you take over as the play-by-play voice from Dan Duva, who's in Las Vegas, and they make the playoffs in their first year, which is incredible and a whole different story for a different day. But, you know, what's it been like for you on the road and here and, and, and your new role as the play-by-play voice of The Crunch? You certainly had a heck of a first year so far.
3: Yeah, it's been awesome. It has been uh, everything I could have hoped for and then some. It's been great to be back in the city. And, uh, well, hopefully we'll cap a run like uh, Dan had in his first year here when they went to the finals and his last year here when they went to the finals. be great to have another one like this, but it's been a uh, it's been a great experience, and it helps that the team has been uh, very good. It, it makes things a little bit easier on my end as well. Um, but, yeah, everything I could have hoped for and then some.
0: Lucas, thank you so much for joining us here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. More to come. Playoffs are on the way.
3: All right. Thanks, Brent. Appreciate you having me. Thanks
0: for listening to the Syracuse Sports Podcast, presented by the Bill Rapp Superstore. Remember, you can subscribe to get new episodes sent right to your phone or iPad on iTunes and Google Play. I'm Brent Axe. We'll talk to you next time.